Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1219. Scale Obsessed by Jesse Neeland of jessineeland.com. And I'm Dr. Neal. A very happy Kwanzaa and Boxing Day to you and welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, where I act as your narrator of the best health and fitness blogs covering fitness, nutrition, stress management, weight management, and more. And always with a bit of my commentary at the end. And then on Fridays, I answer your questions right here on the show. Now, if you celebrated Christmas yesterday, I hope you had a wonderful and safe holiday. It's always a little bit sad for me when Christmas is over because it's my favorite holiday. But this year, I'm gonna keep the cheer going. I'm gonna watch a favorite Christmas movie of mine every day for the next few days. Tonight, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. But before I pop in that DVD, let's get right to today's post and start optimizing your life. Scale Obsessed by Jesse Neeland of jessineeland.com. How often do you weigh yourself? Too often. While I've had this exact same conversation with clients hundreds of times over the years, a client, let's call her Zuri, said these words to me again a few months ago. She was blushing, embarrassed to admit something, quote, so stupid and crazy. I responded, how often? She responded, three times a day on a good day, up to six or 10 on a bad day, sometimes more. The interesting thing is that Zuri is a personal trainer. She's intimately aware of the science of fat loss because she helps clients with it all the time. She knows you can't gain weight by having a big snack or meal, and she knows fluctuations throughout the day only reflect changes in water weight or digestion or bathroom timing, not fat. But still, three times a day at least, Zuri gets on a scale to find out, quote, how she's doing. To find out if she, quote, ate too much, she'll use the scale to determine what kind of mood she should be in, how she should feel about herself, and how much food she can eat the rest of the day. If you're thinking this is some crazy behavior, I encourage you not to push Zuri's story away and otherize it. Obsessive body checking may not be healthy, but it is sadly pretty normal. Way more people than you would ever realize are doing it, constantly aware of and obsessed by the micro changes in their weight, size, shape, appearance, or health. Plus, all of us have our own coping and numbing behaviors. Maybe instead of weighing yourself, you scroll Instagram endlessly, or online shop, or binge eat. In some ways, it's all the same. Also, if you're thinking, OMG, I'm Zuri, 
I encourage you to hold this fact with curiosity and compassion as you hear this. You are not crazy or abnormal. The first step I take with a client in this situation is to acknowledge that they have come to believe the number on the scale has power. At a certain point in their development, they learned that this number was important, that it held great significance, and that without it, they would be thrust into a terrifying world of -of out-of-controlness and danger. When I asked Zuri what would happen if she stopped weighing herself, she said, I don't know, I feel like I would die. After years or decades of checking this number constantly, the discomfort of giving it up can be so great, it feels practically unsurvivable. The thing about compulsive habits is that no matter why they start, at a certain point, they turn to superstition, to a feeling that without doing them, everything will crumble. So we make space for how uncomfortable and vulnerable this is, for how dangerous it feels to be in charge of her life, her day, her body, without knowing the number. The next steps are always the same. Give it up and deal with the fallout. Give it up and fight day by day to deal with whatever arises in the absence of the compulsive behavior. Give it up and sort through the vulnerability, the feelings, the thoughts, the stories. What has weighing yourself been distracting you from? What has it been helping you not feel or think about? Because really, your work will be to face that thing, not to make it go away, mind you, but face it head on and learn to tolerate it, integrate it, accept it, and deal with it, whatever it might be. For some clients, that means acknowledging extraordinary loneliness or anger or grief. For others, it's the deep sense that something in their life is wrong or broken and needs to be changed or mended. Sometimes it brings up intense stuff around gender, intimacy, attention, or safety. When Zuri stopped weighing herself, she discovered she felt terrified by the sheer volume of her own feelings. A few days after throwing away her scale, Zuri told me these feelings were, quote, too big, too big to bear, like she might die. But something kind of magical happened in our sessions around then. Up until this point, after about five weeks of working together, she had only wanted to talk about her body, her weight, and her messed up relationship to food and fat and exercise. Once she stopped weighing herself, we started talking about her feelings instead. Now we talk about her anger at her husband, her slow, simmering resentment and loneliness, and his gradual withdrawal of intimacy over the years. We talk about her feelings of conflict about her work in the fitness industry and whether she's making the world better or worse. We talk about her losses, the children she had not been able to carry to term, a dear friend who ended their friendship without saying why, the loss of her parents. We talk about boundaries and desires and fat phobia activism and self-care. In short, once we stopped talking about Zuri's weight, we started talking about her life. Already through this work, Zuri is learning to identify and tolerate her feelings more and to notice what's really going on with her emotionally during the bad body image moments when she's dying to bust her scale out of the attic so that she can deal with the truth directly instead of dealing with a distraction. What I know to be true is that with time and practice and courage, Zuri will learn that her feelings aren't dangerous and they'll start to get quieter and more neutral. She may still want to be thin and in control, but the volume and intensity of those feelings will go down, and she'll be able to view them with curiosity and distance instead of experiencing them like a hurricane. 
We all turn to coping mechanisms when we're outside our window of tolerance for feeling uncomfortable things. It's why we naturally want to get drunk or eat a tub of ice cream when we go through a breakup. If you have a small window of what feelings you can tolerate, you're going to need a lot of coping mechanisms. And odds are pretty good they won't all be healthy. What happens for a lot of my clients is that coping mechanisms like weighing themselves, dieting, binging, or body monitoring have actually prevented them from increasing the size of their window of tolerance so they can barely tolerate anything. Only when they give up those habits do they have the opportunity to feel everything and deal with it and expand that window so that daily life doesn't feel so scary and overwhelming. So maybe you don't weigh yourself all the time like Zuri did. Maybe your coping behavior includes wine or marijuana or online shopping or scrolling endlessly through social media or gambling or reckless or constant busyness. Maybe it's dieting, starving yourself, binging, exercise obsession, or an inability to stop stressing about how you look. But make no mistake, if you're relying on any coping behavior like this to help yourself feel safe or in control or good enough, you are avoiding something. And until you identify and directly face whatever that thing is, you will always find yourself struggling with the feeling that something outside of you, such as the scale or other people's opinions of you, is controlling your life. You just listened to the post titled Scale Obsessed by Jesse Neeland of jessenealand.com. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. If you find that you or someone you know tends to exhibit the behaviors that Jessie described in her post, speaking to a healthcare professional can be really beneficial. Jessie has had some amazing success stories with her clients, but I'm sure there were times when it seemed like the person just couldn't be helped. It happens. That's when it can be really helpful to speak or refer them to a healthcare professional that specializes in mental health, like a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or a marriage and family therapist. Now, I know I sound like a commercial right now, but I swear these words are coming from me. Mental health professionals exist to help individuals with these very issues. That's their job. That's why they got into this field. This is what they're trained to do. So again, if the story Jesse shared sounded like you or someone you know, share this episode with them and gently encourage them to seek some care. All right, that'll do it for today. I'm gonna go watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, wishing you a very happy Kwanzaa and happy Boxing Day if you're celebrating. 
and I'll see you back here tomorrow where optimal life awaits.